Yo, welcome to the Great Conversation Podcast, where we indulge in healthy dialogue about topics that are important in today's society and culture. Once you guys come on in, go ahead and drop a one in the comment section for me. <laughs> we here, man. To the right to me, I got photographer and creative mind. You got Kodak. Y'all know him. Yeah, a little bit of everything. Yeah, a little bit of everything. Photographer, poet, philosopher, Afro-engineer. However you want to call it. Mm-hmm. You, you, you got merch too, right? I do have merch. I do have merch, as y'all see. Couple things, let me know. I just made a post. I got some shirts. Me and my baby rocking those. And got some new merch coming real quick, man. My birthday this month. And been working on some really, really dope stuff with uh one of my, uh, shoot, what I want to call it. Shoot, uh, man, Lady General, Shatira Flowers. Uh, we've been masterminding some dope stuff. So, uh, yeah, we're about to drop something. Shout out Get Connected 815, by the way, too. They got a podcast and a whole um, community uh, activist group. Um, that, the building right across the street, matter of fact. Oh, there's the eight one five building. Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay, but I, 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 I that was ideal. I want to like if I go there, <laughs> hey, I'll be solidified. That, that is a dope. When she got, I was like, that's nice. It's eight one five all day. Yeah, it is. It is nice, guys. Go ahead and share this live for me if you are coming on. We're not. I know we have uh, been playing. We was playing with the times a little bit, but we here now. That's nevertheless. I'm gonna go ahead and put this phone down and get focused. All right, so I got Kodak here, man. With today, we're going to be speaking about. Let me let me talk a little bit more about Kodak for a second, y'all. Because I'm I'm a firm I'm a firm believer. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a firm believer in giving people their flowers while they are able to why they why they're able to smell them. Um, now, what Kodak doesn't know, what Kodak don't know, I've been watching Kodak for a long time. For a very long time, indirectly, I've been uh, influenced by a lot of Kodak's work, not knowing that it was Kodak's work. You know what I'm saying? Uh, <laughs> um, my brother used to be in a boy band. You okay. know what I'm saying? Uh, you Who's know, with Donovan with uh oh, with your tails and tails. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's my bro. Okay. So I've been influenced by you for a very long time, and then you notice when you kind of notice when you start walking in somebody else's footsteps. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Because uh, the footsteps are there. You put your feet in them. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. you paved the way for a lot of us uh, entrepreneurs out here that use the camera as a sword, as a tool. Okay. You know what I'm saying? I just want to let you know that. Well, yeah. I appreciate it, man. Yeah, man. So tonight we're going to be talking about learning, building, and accepting me. Uh, as you guys know, no secret, I've shared my story a lot on the podcast about how I had to learn myself and I had to build myself, but most importantly, how I had to learn to accept who I am, you know, because uh, we're going to dive more deep into that. I don't want to just uh, the tearjerker in the beginning, but um, <laughs> that you got a lot of things going on. Let me, let me just, let's just dive into it. Let's just dive into it. All right, so Kodak, man, tell me three important attributes about yourself that you had to learn about yourself to save yourself. Okay, um, and that's a that's a multi-layered question. It's a lot of different ways you can go with that. But um, one thing I learned about myself is that uh, I'm a communicator. Um, I realized, you know, you, you get something that they, they call code switching, right? Mm-hmm. And which as black people is really, really significant to us because as we walk in any world, um, we have to learn to adapt, learn signals, whether it's the workplace, whether it's the streets, 
um, no matter what you're doing, you got to learn how to be on code. Mm -hmm. um, it's just a survival technique. Yeah. Um, so I learned that I was a good communicator. Uh, that I, I'm multifaceted no matter, I'm ubiquitous I, a lot of times no matter where I went, whether it was um, higher society, whether it was corporate, whether it was school, whether it was the streets. Um, I, man, I went to five different elementary schools. I went to four different high schools mm. in uh, two different states, three different cities. You know what I mean? So I, even just to, to touch on that, like fifth or fourth grade, or fifth grade in Rockford, with church school, which is shut down, but for people to know over on Waysdale and Furman, mm -hmm. part of the West Side, um, church school, um, you know, we had everybody, you know what I mean? Was, and should they one day talking to my teacher, just joking with a classmate, he's like, I want you to take a test. I'm like, what? Stay up the class, take a test. That test um, was an aptitude test. Comes back with the results a few weeks later, says, hey, you don't need to go to this school anymore. Mm -hmm. What do you mean? So I ended up going to the gifted program over at Washington. Wow. So I did the uh, fifth and sixth grade in the gifted program. Culture shock, you know, a lot of the children in there were mostly white. It was some, um, you know, other cultures or whatnot. But I, I found out that um, they had been in the gifted program since kindergarten or first grade. Um, some of their parents were running for governor or own property. I remember uh, a girl, Sarah Terranova. Her uh, father was Terranova, and I saw signs all over the city. Mm -hmm. So um, it was a culture shock, but even though I wasn't from their worlds, I found a way to fit in. They didn't have penny candy, right? Mm -hmm. I would go to get liquor by IGA. I'd get penny candy, file, laughing taffies, all that stuff, and I would come and upsell to them for 10 cents for a penny candy. Uh, the laffy taffies would go for 25 cents. 25 cents suckers, I would sell 50 cents. And... Um, I found a language to communicate with everybody. You remember uh, in uh, the Shawshank Redemption, mm -hmm. Red, Morgan Freeman? Right. I became like that or whatever. Whatever you need, come to my locker. And uh, I even started putting kids that bought a lot of stuff on payment. I'm like, here, how about you just spend $8 a week? You can get all of this instead of spending your 4 or 5 Or you here, you can spend $10 a week and you can get showing value. Yeah. <laughs> and, and they were down for it because they couldn't get this stuff. Right. They couldn't walk to the liquor store. And get penny candy. I'm like, y'all don't know what my world is like. Let me show you. Um, I'm an artist. You know, I found out that's a great communication tool. I would draw Back to the Future murals or New Jack City murals. Then I'm drawing nine millimeters and crack cap with the stuff. But they love, you know, everybody liked the art. And um, I used the artwork, drawing hoverboards from Back to the Future and cars and motorcycles. And I would say, here, you spend five dollars a week. You're on the hoverboard level. You spend eight dollars a week. You're on a motorcycle level. So you was out here with a pyramid stuff? Yeah, yeah. The DeLorean was top level. That's $10 a week. And that's how I sold it in them visually. So they're like, that's cool. I want to be on that level. And I would come home with all this money. And my parents would be like, where are you getting this money from? I'm like, oh, I found it in the couch cushions. Because I didn't want to tell them that I was flipping candy or whatever. You know, I was flipping candy. Yeah. <laughs> so then left that went to Eisenhower. So now I'm back with my people from, you know, the west side or whatnot. And um, got Reimmersed in a whole new, you know, having to readjust, but at the same time, um, I would have art battles. End of the year, you know, people science uh, the yearbook. Yeah, my buddy uh, Jeremy World, Jeremy White, dude. A lot of y'all might know him because he's been in Rockford, he's still in Rockford. Jeremy was cold in basketball. I didn't play, but you know, mm -hmm. me and him would mess around. But he was cold too. We would battle drawing the Gangsta Bugs Bunny they used to have on the shirt. Oh, yeah, stuff. yeah, with the ones with the suspenders. Yeah, to see who could do the most yeah. in the back of the yearbooks or whatever. Like he did eight over there. I'm like, what? Let me catch up. I'm on seven. You know what I mean? So different ways I would find to communicate and fit in wherever I went, leaving the city, moving to uh, Bellwood, Illinois, um, which, you know, 
I went to Guilford Way. Guilford Way, real rough, you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, back in the day. Yeah, yeah. Um, but man, Proviso West was crazy. Like, why? A whole nother environment. Yeah, and I found, you know, and once again, you know, what art, uh, rap, different things or whatever, I found my way to find my niche. And um, now, me personally, I consider myself a nerd. You know what I mean? But I had to fight to be a nerd because people see somebody that's different and they want to mess with them. Mm-hmm. the stuff that I learned in Rockford and Eisenhower and Guilford. You know, you got everything from sports to gangs to uh, intellectual stuff or whatever. Um, the rules that I learned through there, like I had a big cousin, Devron, he would drill stuff in me. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Freshman year, if I didn't have something on point or whatever, if I didn't know this, that about some lit or some whatever, he'd punch me in my chest. And Almost see, like you pleasure. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. He would see me in the halls and be like, spit this. And if I didn't know it, pow. And after three or four days, all right, I got everything down to a T. I can salute this. Um, so when I get to these other places, I am who I am. I'm going to sit there. I'm going to draw something dope. I'm going to do this. I read comic books. But people will test you if you're not like where they're from. So I might have to switch to that level. But after they saw, oh, he's not, I'm, oh, I don't falter on this. I don't falter on that. This is what I am. And I ain't got no shame in that. They leave me alone. And now I can kick it with y'all. Then moving to Virginia, Richmond, Virginia, moved to the uh, the West End of Richmond at first. And they had a little money. Some of the kids would be 16 driving Mercedes Benz to school. It was like 902 and up. You know, we was, was wild. Weather was great. Decembers were heavenly, like 40 degrees in the winter. They didn't know what to do with snow. Right. But once again, I'm culture shocked. I don't know what, you know, I, I have, they got hot tubs and stuff. I'm going to parties with these kids. And I'm like, I ain't seen a hot tub except on TV. You know, so I'm totally out of my element. But I find a way to, you know, find my way or whatnot. Um, and even though I'm sidetracking, but when, when I moved out there, uh, I, I connected more with the with some of the, the dirty white boys and Puerto Ricans. Uh, Benny Siegel said locked up with dirty white boys and Ricans, mm-hmm. but because they reminded me of the streets of home. Even though as I moved around, I would get into different levels of of, of people and uh, get introduced to people that uh, man, this one girl. Her dad owned a circuit city. That blew my mind. The whole like, circuit city. The whole circuit city. You know what I mean? So and a manager. No, no, he owned it. Yeah, he had some other businesses too. Right. So when I'd be hanging around them, uh, or my buddy uh, EJ Walker, shout out EJ. He's uh, his dad owned the jewelry store. You know what I mean? So he's coming to school, making his own gold, putting diamonds and stuff. You know what we have to do to get gold and diamonds in high school? This kid's coming to school like I made this yesterday at the shop. Like, he owns a jewelry store to the day, Walker and Sons out in Virginia. I got to get a piece for you, too, for my baby one of these days. So I, I uh, get to go through a lot of different levels. Now, him, uh, just to show you that culture shock, he's a mix, he was black and white mixed. And um, all of us, we get, uh, you know, we, we get a lot of our experiences that are right next to us through media. So for a lot of the black kids out there that wasn't from, like, D.C. or North Carolina, you know, they really hadn't been around the street elements or whatever. So one thing I noticed about EJ is he said nigga more than anybody I'd ever met in the world. So nigga, my nigga. You know what I mean? But I realized he, he got it from the music, not necessarily from the streets. And um, his big brother's like that I would kind of watch out for him because he would get in situations. Uh, he let some dude spend a night at the crib, thought he was cool. Guy ended up stealing the keys to one of his dad's Mercedes Benz's. Coming back a few days later, stealing the car. So me and one of my uh, buddies or whatever, we, we, was, we was out there doing stuff. We was stealing stuff we know you know but but we but we caught up to dude and uh you know and held him down or whatever so he's like bro here we're gonna show you how to handle this and get help him get the car back so i would be in different situations and have to either be a mediator or learn when it's just sent out and understand y'all don't really know what's going on 
I'm gonna get my friends out of this because y'all ain't bitten this before. Um, whether they was dabbling with drugs or whatever, you know, coming from Rockford, Illinois, we really saw a lot of that stuff. Like if you talk about drugs, for instance, we come from the um, we're the producers or the sellers. Out there, when you had, you know, you get affluent kids with money, even in Rockford, you know, rich kids with money, they're more users. They have money to experiment. They, they'll get put in rehab or something, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So once I got out there, I saw a lot of people that, like, that was their lane. They're users, and I was able to use that just like in the school, uh, in elementary school yeah. here. Well, I know how to sell that. So I ended up getting into that just because it was so easy because everybody around had excess money. They were open to trying anything, and I could go places where they couldn't go. I had a couple of friends that wanted to get into that, but they were white. They couldn't go to the hood and buy stuff. Right. So I had to, when I tried to take them, and I found out just because I'm with you, I, I can't get nothing now. So I had to go back by myself and help them get a plug. You know what I mean? Here, bro, there, there's an ounce here. You, you need a QP, let me know. And I put a little tax on it. And um, now here's something crazy. A little finance fee. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I got to go all over here, whatever here. You're going to get me mine, too. Mm -hmm. But um, another thing is I found out some of those friends were better salespeople than me. I had a friend that I introduced into that, helped him get into it. Shoot, six months later, he uh, introduced to a better plug. He didn't care he was white, but he was selling so much, he was getting free pounds. Like, he was, well, he was he was giving him, he'd get a pound, he'd give him an extra pound. And it's a little white boy, but his mind was so cold that he could sell anything, he could sell water to a whale. You know what I mean? So I was able to help people not get took, for one. Uh, also, help them excel because just like in, in the industry, you might need a Drake. Drake was the, the mixed kid in the wheelchair on Degrassi, but he connected with Lil Wayne, Baby, and uh, Jay Prince, and now here. We're going to make sure that that part, we ain't got to work, just do your talent. Now Drake is bigger than all of them. He's bigger than Wayne. He's bigger than Nikki, yeah. you know what I mean? So I was able to be a mediator to people in different ways. And also just, I still stayed myself. I'm still the nerd, the artist. I'm a philosopher. I'm a rapper or whatever. But I know I can move wherever I want to. But through those years, by the time I got out of high school, I knew where I wanted to go and didn't want to go. So when I moved back to Rockford, first thing, I had a big afro cornrows or whatever. They out there didn't know nothing about that. I'm listening to Crucial Conflict, smoking hair in the middle of the bar. What? They seeing these these afros when I come out there or whatever, like, dude, what's up with your hair? Um, and uh, yeah, after about a year, I'm seeing dudes getting cornrows or pulling their hair, and I'm like, okay. And I'm realizing, oh, they they copying me. That's why they growing their hair out, showing me how strong they having their little girls put zigzag parts. Mm -hmm. I, I come back to Rock for Christmas vacation, being uh, Orton Keys with my cousin Devron or whatever. And I came back with my stuff with these crazy zigzag braids. Man, this crackhead whipped my stuff up cold five hours. And uh, they got skills now. They what? They got skills, man. Hey, this Afro engineering ain't no game, man. Mm -hmm. We got it in our DNA. Mm -hmm. And I get out there. They never seen that. The girls couldn't do the zigzag braids, so they just had them do zigzag parts. That's when I was mm -hmm. like, man, I'm I'm not trying to be a tastemaker. I really was kind of depressed because I didn't know a lot of people like me when I got to a new culture. But I saw that in me just trying to keep to myself, I was influencing stuff that was going on. There you go. That's the word I was looking for you to say. Because what I'm hearing you say is that you are a communicator, a mediator, and an influencer. Yeah, yeah. Whether I wanted to be yeah, or not. Yeah. Just by, if you do you so hard and you stay away from the norm, eventually your outside um, activities might become the norm for people that need something new to plug into or something different to see. You know, um, hey, 
Rockford, man, you know, you have the kids that have the, the white out with the anarchy A on their stuff and they got who up the bell. They get talked about like crazy yeah. or whatever. Out there, they didn't get talked about. So they had that culture crazy. These dudes with whole shirts made out of safety pins. And I'm in school like, what's going on? Well, what is happening? Like, here? boy, they had been and checked you 89 times or whatever. But they also had the freedom to become themselves. So that's another way that I became, because couldn't nobody check me. I'm like, where I'm from, y'all get ate alive. I'm not a gangster. I'm not hard or nothing. But I'm like, I'm a byproduct of my environment. So now I'm out here in your environment. I'm telling you that if you was in my environment, you'll get swallowed up. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Like, I'm telling you from a different perspective. Yeah, I don't want to be that guy. I'm not that guy, but I can tell you about that situation. And uh, I had situations where, man, art classes. When I got out there, one thing I, I did like about the school, I had more money, but I also got a better education. As soon as I get to art class, I'm learning about Rembrandt and Salvador Dali, uh, mm-hmm. surrealism, and um, the, uh, Andy Warhol, the pop art, all type of stuff. And um, the teacher kind of just saw that I took to it. Like, I'm, I was getting straight A's off the bat. And um, there'd be, you know, people playing in class or whatever. Now, I just sit in front of person, hey, I don't feel like playing today. Y'all do whatever y'all do. And uh, sometimes they keep, I'm the new guy, they throw rubber bands at me. And I would calmly get up, take a rubber band, pop that person in the eyes. Yeah. And one day, the dude, he's like, man, what you doing? I'm like, look, I told y'all I wasn't playing. Y'all keep playing with me. Now I can whoop your ass, or you can sit down and go back to work. The teacher watching all of this, and he's smiling. And I was like, he's letting me, but he knew. Because he ain't never experienced that. And yeah, and he know they, they jackasses in class, and he's mm-hmm. never seen nobody check a person. I was definitely within the realm of what I was supposed to be doing. I had to put my hands on the board or do nothing to him, but I told him clearly, I told you to stop playing with me. I'm not, I'm depressed every day because I don't even like being out here. I ain't got no friends, no family, but I'm going to come to school and I'm like, and if you throw me off my track, I'm going to show you how we do. Well, this, now this is the second time you done brought up being depressed. When you when you were facing that depression back mm-hmm. then, so this, this will go into the, the, to the realm of learning yourself. Mm-hmm. So when you were fall into that uh, depression, I'm seeing that you will find an outlet. That's what I'm hearing. Or would the outlet find you? Um, the outlet was always inside of me. Okay. And not having the typical things to fall back on, family, friends, or whatnot, you know what I mean? That um, it would be whatever I do to make it through the day. Mm-hmm. Um, I like to hustle and sell things. So I would sell stuff because that would get me talking to people. Uh, which is one of the ways uh, I blew up through photography. My father taught me at about 12, 13. I started taking the camera to school, probably eighth, ninth grade, even in Guilford. I got pictures of people. Freshman year Guilford back in the day, man. I still see some of these people to the day. But um, out there, I would take pictures of stuff that I liked. The girls, the school, people, they had a dope outfit. And when I came back to school, the next, you know, I would go spend my whole little Wendy's check. I would make a $5 an hour at Wendy's. Spend my whole check to develop these rolls of film, right? And I was selling the people for a dollar. You get 24 shots on a roll of film. I usually make about $12 or whatever, sell half of it. Mm-hmm. I didn't make a profit, but it was enough that I could do what I love, and people got to know me. And, and it's funny that I, I look years later how people would know me from the clubs or the parties, just being at the center of that or whatever, mm-hmm. knowing everybody. And I'm like, I really have been, I realized I've been doing that since high school. Um, you know, people be late to class, you know, messing with me, trying to buy their pictures from the day before in the lunchroom or crap like that or whatever, you know? Uh, so, you know, I just found my outlet in my artwork, in uh, expression. I really got, uh, I started rapping about 15. My cousin wrote my first, like, four bars for me, right? Uh, Devron, you know? 
And I took that and I wrote the rest of the rap. So being from the Midwest, we got Twister. You know, we got Do or Die. You know, we was on Tupac Hard and Scarface. And Scarface heavy. Heavy, heavy. Man, uh, Tila. Remember Tila back in the day? A lot of that swap, I switched house stuff, whatever, was banging. So when I get out there, they went. I call it city country. Yeah. City country type vibe. Yeah. And it's funny that Texas was coming up in here and putting Midwest artists on. Because Rap a lot put uh, put do or die on, yeah. Which where we got Pope Pimpin' and Twister Pope and all Pimpin type of stuff, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but getting out there, you know, you had artists like you know Puff Mate, which at first I really feel, I felt like they rap too slow because I'm coming from here. So the artists that I got on got on out here uh, and on on the East Coast, Nas. Even though Tupac said Nas was a bitch and all this, I'm like Nas I'm like man, he's kind of cold now. though, yeah. Right now. <laughs> uh, big pun. He had an accelerated flow and he had extra lyrics. Like Days, ghost face, you know, stuff like that. So when I get to the East Coast, I start absorbing, you know, that culture with the stuff I already knew. So I, I, shit, I found out I could rap, you know what I mean? And I would do that after school, be a party, selling weed, rapping with people, taking a picture, taking a picture, yeah, yeah, for real, just just kicking it, living life, yeah, whatever. Living life. I, I would, we, we, me and some of my buddies, you know, I had a friend that he had moved from Florida and I had just moved from Chicago. So we had a bigger city mindset than where we were at in Richmond, Virginia. We were in, uh, uh, what's the name of the Henrico County? Mm-hmm. Um, so I clicked up with people that kind of had the same vibe as me, but um, you know, we started stealing stuff. He was a good thief, you know what I mean? So that was one of our recreations, just you know, in high school, yeah. real talk, there's a lot of stuff that you consider as bad or negative that your kids might do, but for them, it's just the outlet, it's recreation. Yeah, I like the way you put yeah. that uh, in Rockford. You know, we got a big issue with gun violence, you know. Um, and one thing about me was I liked art. I, I liked weapons, you know, knives, guns, or whatever. Mm-hmm. You know, we were watching action movies and Ninja Turtles and whatever the heck got you into it. But um, like I said, I was drawing New Jack City murals or whatever. Once I drew anything, I could always draw it again. So I would draw a 9mm Beretta. I would draw a Desert Eagle. What, so when I got out there or whatever, um, or, or with kids nowadays, it's just it's something they like, and they're able to get into it. If other people are into guns and you 16, if you know about guns, you can start talking to cats around about guns or whatever. If you know how to use them, yeah, whatever. No, that's real. And I think that's what's missing. Um, I was on somebody else's live earlier today, and they were talking about the gun violence in Rockford. I'm like, you know, guns, guns and violence have been around. The problem is we're not teaching responsibility and honor. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. That, that, that's the issue. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Responsibility and honor. You have a bunch of people that are out here don't know how to uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for uh, uh, control their emotions. Yeah. You know what I'm saying. So, but their emotions dictate their actions. Mm-hmm. And so now that's I guess that's just a fancy way of saying people out here impulsive. Yeah, impulsive. You know what I'm saying. They're being very impulsive with no education. Yeah. You know what I'm saying. What they're doing. And I, I'm going to say this: if I believe that te- we should like like we teach people how to drive. We should teach young people how to how to use guns and take care of them. Mm-hmm. Because if you have a better response, if you have a better understanding of something, you know what I'm saying, that's a powerful weapon. And what they said, what, what uh, 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 Uncle Ben say, with great, with great uh, power. power come great responsibility. You know what I'm saying? That's and, true. And that's very, that's, that's, that, that's, a, that's a responsibility. Now, let me ask you this, bro. Now, why, now all these things you said, why was it important for you to rebuild yourself? Well, I'm not going to say it was important for me to rebuild myself. It was a necessity mm. because I would have whatever status quo I had just 
changed. It's not there to fall back on. I'm in a whole new city. I'm in a whole new school. I don't have the teachers I met. I don't have the friends I met. I don't get cousins, uncles. I have nobody. So it, it was just, it's just what had to happen. I had no choice but to figure this out. And then I did a year in Proviso West. Then I went to another city all the way on the East Coast. Why I, you was moving around so much? Well, uh, the first reason we moved uh, was my mother has been a nurse my entire life, right? right? And um, she actually had a lawsuit with Rockford Memorial back in the day. Mm. Her lawyer advised her that it's going to be better off for you to work outside of this city while you're doing this lawsuit. So that's sure. where we moved to Bellwood. Sure. Okay. Um, and then um, I had an aunt that had moved to Virginia, that lived in Virginia, and my sister was doing uh, her first year of community college before she ended up going to, um, to school in Ohio or whatever, to a bigger university, Central State University, matter of fact. But um, so when I so we moved out there, it was a lower cost of living in the area that we were at, even though it had it had better schooling. Mm -hmm. The weather was amazing, you know what I mean, and it was it was no street violence in the area we were in. Right. So it was a win win for her. For me, it's another culture shock. I just yeah. went from Rockford Street to Chicago Street, and then I had to a whole total decompression. Imagine that every school time you go to a new school, you know somebody gonna mess with you. Yeah. So you gotta you gotta stand up for yourself, get that out the way. I, I got used to that. I moved out there, and there's my my first day of school. I'm in my creative writing class, which, by the way, made me an amazing rapper. Learning poetry, learning just the different ways and moves that creative writing class made me an amazing rapper later on. Uh, but first dude that walks up to me is this big white dude. He's probably six foot two. He's got a shaved head, dressed like a surfer dude, right? And, you know, I got my afro or whatever. I'm dressed in my baggy jabos and stuff like that. They don't know nothing about this. They thought you I could dress. You looking out of place. I'm an alien these dudes. <laughs> and I see this dude walking across the classroom, and I'm like, oh, okay. It's going to be him first. Because I'm used to this. Somebody's yeah. going to come test me. And I'm like, he's like, dude, I love your hair. I'm like, okay, that's how you're going to jump it off. I'm going to talk about my hair. I'm like, yeah, thanks. Waiting for the rest. Right now. And he keeps talking. And I'm like. He's not, he's not trying to start nothing. Dude named was Josh Entrance. Became one of my best friends out there. Like, he plugged me with all the parties. Like I said, I'm going to parties with hot tubs and stuff like that. He plugged me with all of that stuff because he just, you know, we, we, we vibe. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, but as you see, I was already ready to set it off on something different. I'm going to take this six foot two white boy down. Because he coming over, I'm thinking, is he a skinhead? I don't know what you is. Yeah. He was just a cool dude. You know what I mean? So, um, like I said, you know, by me, one, being able to be a communicator, and just, I'm always been an observer and analyzer. I'm, it's like a chessboard. I noticed the first two moves were the same moves anybody else would make when they come into antagonize the new dude. But then I noticed his movements afterwards, so I turned that off. I turned my aggression off, and I just, you know, took the feedback and went with the flow. Like, oh, okay, cool. You know what I mean? He's just interested in it. Yeah, he's just interested in it. He's interested in it. And, and there were some assholes. Like I said, they, I was in Virginia. There were some people, excuse me if you, if you think redneck's a bad term, but that was the only way to describe at the time. And, um, you know, check this out. My boy EJ, I told you about, right? Mm -hmm. He gets into a fight at school one day. You know, um, he popped this dude up. Now, we hanging out at the park after school, me, him, and his cousin Charles. We see a pickup truck pull in, and it kind of boxed us in. You know, you, when you were smoking cigarettes or whatever, weed, whatever, you pull our way to the back of the park. Yeah, yeah. And this truck boxes into on the headlights. The boy, he whooped. Gets out with his two uncles, and they got rifles and shotguns because he got beat up. Yeah, and he's like, "Oh, you niggas, put your hands on our on our boy." Mm -hmm. I'm like, "Oh shit!" They said, "Nigger, hard yeah. er." Hey, we in Virginia. Yeah, and basically, <laughs> yeah, and they let us know we'll be in the dirt if anything happened to that boy again. 
and won't nobody find us. And I'm realizing, oh, I ain't got to worry about gang shit. It's something totally different. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, this is <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, like I said, I, I kind of help EJ stay out of certain situations yeah. sometimes or whatever, but EJ also plugged me in a lot of ways, too. But anyway, that's just, but like I say, um, I was used to a different type of bullying. I hadn't experienced that straight onslaught, I, I murder you, lynch your ass in Rockford. Yeah. I didn't see that in Chicago. We had like like seven GDs come in and whoop a dude ass in Chicago one time. Right. Teacher didn't press a button, didn't do nothing. Then they walked out calmly. Then they called security. You know, we that's what we dealt with out there. Our dudes getting shot, getting off the bus after school because we took the city bus. I didn't know how. I was like, okay, this is a whole different maneuver or whatever. Because, shoot, I'm checking dudes in art class. Could have happened to me. Yeah. I just, you know, anyway. I, yeah. I, I I leveled my stuff out. He did whoop the boy ass or whatever. I don't know why he whooped the boy ass like that. I was just Bernie was probably talking reckless, but he was talking reckless because he knew what he had at the crib. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. You know what he's been taught, how he's been taught. Uncle Elroy, you know what I'm saying, is right here. Yeah. You know, cousin Ralph. Yeah. You know yeah. what I'm saying? And they don't play that. You yeah. Know what I'm saying? Whereas I never <laughs> wanted to bully nobody, but I would definitely assert myself and explain exactly like I told the dude in class, like, look, I'm not messing with you. I told you don't mess with me. You messed with me, so I'm gonna give it right back to you. Now, do you want to proceed or do you want to sit down and do? You know, I tried to be level about it because I didn't like bullies, but you're not gonna bully me either, which is why the teacher let me check kids in class because, like, hey, he's kind of right. Uh, EJ, I guess he had whooped the boy ass too much, and they were like, no, nah, you're not gonna, you know what I mean? That's enough. There's a level to this, right? You know, you hit him too hard. Yeah, so I, <laughs> so it, I remember he got into a fight one time, and I'm like, bro, if you finna go mess with this dude, take your glasses off, you got your shades on. And sure enough, when I come out of class next hour, I see like, oh man, dude, get messed up. I'm like, ooh, and I see somebody holding EJ's broken sunglasses. I'm like, I told him to take these damn shades off. He went and checked, dude, with the glasses on, got him slapped off his face. Not even thinking. Not even thinking. Yeah. So, your different situations, going and being into different type of environments, you had to. It was necessary for you to rebuild yourself from. Now, I, I don't even think it's rebuilding. Maybe you. Maybe it's more like uh, adding, adding to. Like yeah. you're already a house. Mm -hmm. You need. I need to add a debt. With uh, some port. When I left yeah. Rockford after, uh, you know, Eisenhower and Gil freshman year Guilford, I had my cousin and his best friend Fernell. They was pretty much my drill sergeants. You know, just drilling sergeants. Like I said, because after I left with the principals I had here, those principals really worked everywhere. Which is why, even though I don't rep gangs or nothing like that. Uh, because shoot, for now and ever, I was two different gangs, but at the same time, they both taught me certain things and made sure freshman year you're gonna stand on this. For now, will come, come try to beat me up every day in gym class. You know, he MVP in football, basketball, and to the point where I wasn't scared to fight nobody. I'm like, if I gotta fight you every day, so when I went to newer schools, I wasn't scared of the big guy. I was a chess box with the biggest animal off the football team, and after that, they'd be like, That's why you was ready for 6'2. Yeah, exactly. I'm like, I don't care. Like, you can't. You don't hit hard as these dudes from 815. Yeah. So what's up? But after they saw I wasn't scared, and also I'm not a bully. People, let, I can be the nerd, or I can be the artist, or I can be whatever I want to be. So all the, like you say, I just added to that. It's like being an ROTC. Mm -hmm. Whether you go through church or the military or, or streets, if you learn it properly, you will have a set of rules that have been around longer than you have. Man. And they, they, and as you put them in different circumstances, you find out what's right and what's not. Um, I had a lot of friends when I moved back to Rockford and went to prison. Hold on, hold on, hold on, because that that was deep. That was I, I, that just hit me. What you just said, you said gangs or a church mm -hmm. or whatever military. If military, if you if you really learn it properly, 
you're going to learn a set of values, mm -hmm. a set of values that predate you. You know what They've I'm saying? They've been time-tested yeah. and time tested Think about yeah. the mafia. They're like, you're not going to mess with nobody's wife. No women and kids. You know what I mean? Even though they did vicious stuff, they also had rules. And, and that's what's missing. If you follow them. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Which is why, like you say about the power of, and the respect of the power. Yeah, kids out here get access to pistols. But just like my uncle used to tell me, he taught all his kids how to use the VCR on the computer. He's like, otherwise they're going to put peanut butter and joint sandwiches in it. Don't hide the, the, the important or fragile and powerful stuff. Take it to them, show them exactly how it works. So when they leave you, they will have a respect for it. And someone can't show them the, the wrong, wrong way. way. So yeah. if you learn how to deal with stuff like, yeah, hey, a dude, you got a problem with a dude, you go air them out. If you didn't learn there's a different way to do that, you learn it from the other knuckleheads around you to just go get it wild. You on school property doing stuff. You got people that got nothing to do with it. You involving them. You involving family members or friends, like, let's go get them on something you were supposed to handle yourself. And and how you handle it determines whether it even comes back. It might be dead after you go handle it the right way, or it might escalate if you just want to show off and stunt or bully a person because you're in your feelings. You know what I mean? It, it's situations where I've had weapons, but when I went to deal with a person, I didn't take weapons with me because that wasn't the level we was on. And I could escalate it and get it out of hand, get myself whacked because I'm trying to show off. Yeah. Yeah. Eric, because you, your fear has turned into a uh, fragile arrogance. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't even know how the conversation went this right, but we're going to go with it because we not teaching those principles. And uh, man, when you say that the values that predate you have been proven and tested and they work, they work. And now it's some, I, I don't I think maybe it was Gen X. Okay. Or is it the millennials? No, no, no. In, <laughs> in, 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 in where we're at right yeah. now, it's exactly what happened with the Black Panthers. It's exact. They took the heads out. They took the gang chiefs out. They demonized this. And then you had people in a power structure without the head that was holding down those time-tested. The, the, the gangster disciples were actually community activists in the beginning. Mm -hmm. They, By the time we got to the 90s, Crack and the uh and these crazy laws, these drug laws setting us up. We ain't got no money, but injecting drugs into the hood. They filtered out the people that knew why the time tested stuff was, the knew why the lick was what it was, the knew that it didn't come from no violence. It really came from a power structure of people that were ex uh, excluded from power politically, financially, education-wise, that was gonna force it back into the street. They took the guns from the Black Panthers, put drugs in their hands. Basically, uh, secure have to have to leave the country. Uh, I mean, it's so many ways we can see it's happened, and that's why we have people that still have young dudes that have the power. You know, man, Carl Ford was 16. They shut the streets down. They had grown dudes coming from the joint telling them, "No, this is how you move. We're not moving records. We're gonna feed our people. We're gonna hold this down like that." They demonized Carl Ford, man. That dude started at 16 organizing power structures off the old school stuff, but they demonized his name. So coming up, when you ain't got these people here, he can't touch, he can't even communicate because they will say, you're still trying to run the games. I'm trying to keep the power moving the way it's supposed to so that we can keep helping our people and not just be out here with the power and dealing off our animosity, dealing off our beefs. That's, that, that's what they, that's, that's just like how the government do, you know what I'm saying? Like, like, do I condone, do I condone poisoning the community? No. But there's McDonald's on the corner. 
you know what I'm saying? There's Burger King on the corner, and there's crack dealers on the corner. Mm-hmm. So it all, it, like, it, all, it, all, it all poisoned the community, right? Yeah. But I understand that mindset of uh, we're going to punch and we're going to sue. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. The yin and the yang. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Given the balance so that everything, because if, now if it's all one sided, mm-hmm. that's not balanced. Yeah. If it's all one sided, that's lost, that's unbalanced. Yeah. So that's what like you like what you're saying is coming in the nineties, like you said, they got rid of everybody. Now it's about now now it's only about money, mm-hmm. power, drugs. You know what I'm saying? And think about this. The now the heads were coming from the media because we see powerful black people in rap music. Mm, you talking we, about placed? Yeah, exactly yeah. placed. You mm-hmm. know, and they just doing as far as they know they doing a business. I'm trying to rap about this, so rap about money, hoes, and drugs is going to get me. The top of the charts, that's what people want to hear when they party. It's not necessarily bad because people got to relax, but it's not giving any other structure. Because, like, when I got to a place where they listening to street music, but they didn't have the streets, like I said, my boy EJ said, nigga, more times than anybody. That's what they see as other black people outside of their area. Mm-hmm. So, you would be a suburban black kid, you don't have black people around you, you get Asians and white people in the neighborhood. That's how black people act. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, I'm going to take that flavor or whatever. And it has none of the nutrition. It's just all junk food, none of the nutrition behind it. Whereas around here in the 90s, we still have people teaching lit, uh, making people walk the line. You know what I mean? And it's a way you handle beef and don't handle beef. You know what I mean? Ain't no wild cowboy stuff. You ain't get approved for that. Why is you doing that? Why is you coming to my house talking about some street stuff? That's not how we do. I remember my cousin, she a female. But she had to check a dude coming to her mom. I'm like, look, you talking about some street stuff. That's what the tip, that's what this. Why is you at our home? Like, you about to get your head blown off, yeah. but you can, well, in the streets, we can handle, like, there's a structure and a way to do things. Nowadays, oh, I'll go kidnap your granny, da, da, da. like, yeah. whoa. I'm coming to your mama house. You like, the mama got a nine to five trying to make sure everybody got food on the plate. She ain't out there selling dope. You better catch that nigga in the streets. Like, and, and apply to the street rules. Now, something else that we brought up, like I said, how you don't, uh, I, I wouldn't bring certain weapons in certain situations of conversation. Yeah, yeah. Think about how people just want to be perceived as tough. So you're going to raise your voice or say something crazy or whatever. Guess what? To handle that situation, you could have probably said the same words without the extra base. Yeah. Now you bring the adrenaline up. Yeah. You're now not de-escalating and not actually getting to your point. Now this happens in relationships where we get domestics. Where a dude want to show authority, but maybe he ain't able to communicate as well as the girl because she's more educated. Because we a lot of times our black women are more educated than us. Yeah. Now, and we and then we also get where these women might accept this stuff. It might be toxic, but they understand that you know what? I love this man. He went overboard, but I also was browbeating the hell out of him. You know, his man, because you know we're getting our feelings. The balance. Yeah. Now, some people have to go to counseling. Some people saw this as just a regular way of life and accepted. Now, if you're able to make it work and y'all get through y'all BS and y'all stay together and raise y'all kids, you help him get his taxes right, y'all, and you know what I mean? He take the street money, you make it clean, he able to get out the streets and get a truck driving, whatever it is, y'all were able to mediate that yourself because y'all saw patterns of this and then immediately go to the police. Which, not to say it's, it's a bad thing if you have to go to the police over some domestic situation, but there also be like, you might send the man of your household away for a while. Y'all might just need some counseling before you put him on paper. 
and I shouldn't even speak on this because I'm not a relationship person at all. Hey man, you've been in a relationship before, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So you, but that's you, all you had some success in a relationship before, right? Yeah, and yeah. you had some failure. Right? I've had some. I've had some really long, successful relationships, yeah. and even some of my failed relationships. Um, you know, I'm 41. You know what I mean? So there's been female love relationship a decade ago. That in the past two years, you know, we would reconnect, and even if we didn't get in a full fledged relationship. Whatever we had was still was there because we did it the right way and we can be friends or we can start another relationship or man, I've, I've done, I've shot weddings for ex-girlfriends because however our relationship ended, ended 10, 15 years ago, we never really on bad terms. We just knew, hey, it's time to go it's our time, separate it's time, it's time to split. Yeah. So let me, let me ask you this. So what, what? What what did you have to learn to accept about yourself that other people may deem as a negative? Well, one of the things that people that I found that people see as a negative in me is that I'm not quick to show aggression. Mm. I don't feel I always have to be the assertive person to get my way. Um, uh, honestly, I really thought I was either going to be an actor or a politician when I grew up, um, just because of this is in junior high, high school. Just from how I communicated in different places, I really thought that it has been times that I had mediated situations with people. Um, and, you know, so, yeah, yeah. So people sometimes would test me, even to this day, test me to see my aggression levels, not understanding. Man, I've seen everything from domestic violence to street violence to bullying, been bullied, been a bully, you know, not, but you know what I mean? Learning. So it's like, even on the circle, I'm entirely comfortable with who I am, whether you think I'm a punk. Whether you think this, I'm comfortable moving how I'm moving. There's been time maybe people thought I went overboard. I'm like, well, I understood that in this situation, I had to raise my voice and I had to put a little fear in a person. It's very rare, but there's times, there's a time for everything. I'm more likely to use sugar than salt just because I've seen that it, everybody has something that can be beneficial. Just because I don't like a person, that doesn't mean um, the people I'm mentoring in photography might have a bad experience. So I'm not going to head spread no soul on it yet. Now if they come back and you say they did something more, because I'm like, yeah, I saw it in that person who bought the band a while ago. But I was going to let you have your own experience. And certain people have gone on to be really successful with people that I, to this day, they don't like me. I just can't. I don't like you because you don't like me. Yeah. I ain't bad. I ain't bad. I'm bad. You. You. It's not for me. Yeah. And you, but you still do great things for other people. Yeah. So why would I want to go ahead and tear you down? Like uh, we saw with Umar Johnson and um, Tariq, uh, and yeah, Dr. Tariq. Yeah. Two great, powerful black men had a schism in theology or thought and started tearing each other down. But what, instead of staying on the point. Boy, he would have that school by now. We'd have Hidden Color 17, a mixtape and a stage play directed by, you know what I mean? Well, you know, but what I did like about I, what I have, I like conflict. Mm -hmm. Because through conflict comes resolution. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? You have to bring something to the forefront to make something better. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like, if, we, if there was no conflict, there would have never been a wheel. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? The conflict was, how do I move this from point A to point B easier? Mm -hmm. That's a, that's conflict. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Which made critical thinking. So that's one of the things I had to learn about myself that people may deem uh, negative. Mm -hmm. I like controversy. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? I'm a critical thinker. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? I love to think. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like it, I'm, I'm hearing you speak because a lot of lot of lot of similarities. Not a gang banger, mm -hmm. but don't fucking try me. You know what I'm saying? Like you know, because gangs taught me how to assert myself, yeah. how to stand on mine, 
and you know, and yeah, so and, and, and they seem they seem that that wasn't the lifestyle for you, but at the exact same time, these principles are for you. You know exactly. what I'm saying? Exactly. And, and, and you see this a lot where you talk about the Black Panthers or the gangs or the mafia or whatever it is, where it's like, we, you remember the movie The Party? Yes, one of my favorite movies. The dude wanted to be a cop so bad, they like your whole family criminal. There's no way you're going to be, but look, we can put you undercover. They found a way to use him or whatever. Mm -hmm. uh, in the in the nation of Islam, they might you might be the ultra-intelligent brother. I would see them. They doing the camera work, they doing the audio visual stuff, they making the websites. You might be a militant brother. Here we gonna put you in the food of Islam. You finna be on our security team, XYZ. Oh, you might be a great thinker. We're gonna have you on speech writing and XYZ. It's like you ain't gotta be the same person to, to get these fundamentals that we give and we just find a place to put you in. Because real talk, how many dudes is in jail right now writing paperwork to get people off their case? Yeah. You came from the streets, but now you locked up and you're gonna yeah. use your brain and yeah. you find the ways to use it. Family books people in jail read and they was in the streets and didn't touch a book. That is, you know what that is, right? That that's all village mentality. That's socialism. I, I said it. Mm -hmm. I said it, God. That is socialism. <laughs> that's socialism. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> like everybody coming out and then you see, okay, for the sake of the community, I see that your talent is this. Mm -hmm. You're a mover and a shaker. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So we're gonna put you on our on, on the county board, the village board. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Oh, you're you're good with your hands. Okay, you're you're gonna be the architect for the village. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. Things like that. So, when people don't be so quick to demonize a word. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and that goes back to all things in moderation too. There are principles that are sound, but you might not want to go overboard on that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, be easy. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's my favorite thing. My dad used to say that to me all the time. And me and my dad, we didn't have a very good relationship until I stopped looking at him as a dad and started looking at him as a man, as a person, you know what I'm saying, who was once a child and had to grow up in, a, in an environment. You know what I'm saying? I was like, dang. I, I, didn't, I didn't really understand my dad until I had kids. You know what I'm saying? And I was like, dad, I, I get it now. Like, yeah. I get why some dumb, dumb times you put your hands on my mom. I get it now. Not you know that you're saying, saying it was right, yeah, but you yeah, don't understand I, the situation. I get, I get it. You yeah. know what I'm you saying? didn't have the training, or you saw patterns where you thought that was how that works. Yeah. You know, you got to you asserted yourself in this way, and but it also made you to where I don't I don't want to deal with it like that. You know what I'm saying? Now, now, now here's something dope, right? I learned a long time ago that people think memes are new, right? Nah. Memes have actually been around since the beginning of time, and here's why. There was a monkey trying to crack a coconut. All the monkeys trying to crack these coconuts. They can't bite through them. They can't call through them. One monkey took a coconut and bashed it on a rock, cracked it open. Another monkey saw that and immediately understood. That was a meme. All the monkeys is climbing, throwing them down, and cracking them on coconuts. One, you know what I mean? So you see monkey do. Yeah. So a meme ain't nothing but a condensed transference of information. That's why we get a joke in one picture with no words. Mm -hmm. <laughs> oh man, complex joke or whatever. But we also get information like that, too, by seeing how somebody moves. So that's why um, what you saw, you were able to learn from in a, in a way that maybe it wasn't written out expressly in dialogue and paragraph thesis right. form. But right. you're like, oh, got it. I get that. You know, it clicked. I, wa I want to bring up like this. I, 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 my, me and my homies say this all the time. This is real nigga conversation because it does hop all over the place. Mm -hmm. So check this out. I remember... You had a live not too long ago, and you said, what happens? And I have never heard this explanation before, but it made perfect sense. 
what happens when an unstoppable force meets a immovable object? My man said the most intelligent thing I've ever heard in my life, a new element is formed. Because the energy doesn't stop. It just transforms. Exactly. <laughs> and, and and the conversation, I was at a house party when I, when I was having this conversation. And earlier we had said how pressure can bust pipes or pressure can make diamonds. And I was, and when I got to that part, I realized I went back. I was like, that's the, we've been saying the answer all these years. But Without saying it. Yeah. yeah. You know, uh, the, since the, the coal couldn't move against the immovable earth and it had the pressure of the earth on it, the energy changed. Changed it to a new element that was unbreakable. Mm -hmm. Since I can't, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. So that's in so many different ways. And that's why we talk about time tested theories or principles are always going to be true. That was so deep to me. Like I, I was on the line. I couldn't comment for real, for real, but I was watching and I was, man, I must have. I, I called my guy. I'm like, bro, so um, <laughs> when an unmovable object hits a. Uh, Bro, it, it, it changed, bro. <laughs> it changed, man. It changed. Bro. I didn't even, I didn't even give him a chance to answer. I was like, bro, I tell you, it changed. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Cause we got stuck on it just being a, phil a physical, uh, physical, not uh -oh. physical, philo philosophical. philosophical. Thank you. Yeah, I was hard Thank to. Philosophical question. Philosophical question. Uh, it's one of those unanswerable That's questions. They told us it's unanswerable. Yeah, yeah. So you sit there, you be like, I don't know who, what. No, but that made sense because if I, if I, if a truck. If a truck, if like a Toyota Corolla mm -hmm. hits a moose, what's gonna happen? Moose is going. <laughs> so something gonna happen. Yeah, you know yeah. what I'm saying? Because it's not like even if you take your car and your car runs into a wall, mm -hmm. you know what I'm saying? That energy disperses because now you got fire. Yeah, you know what I'm yeah. saying? Yeah. <laughs> and and like something else. And then I didn't start putting in other principles, but we can. But um, energy never dies. Yeah. It just changes form. Even in life. Our consciousness, I believe, because it goes to another form. You know, we just have this physical body. But um, which is why people talk about astral projection, or this is the simplest phenomenon that still people think is some X-File stuff. Um, when you have deja vu, when you come into something that's happening right now, but you've seen it happen before, where you even know what's going to, it may only be a second ahead, but you know what's going to happen. Mm -hmm. Then you like, the door opens. Like, I knew that was going to happen. Mm -hmm. You saw the future. That's because your consciousness, the energy that it is, is not three-dimensional. I don't know if it's fourth or fifth-dimensional. Um, that's the way people get holy moments. People get whatever. But also, when you shut your body off and your three-dimensional body is no longer in control, your consciousness, you don't know what it'll bring, but it, you will see the future sometimes. That's what they say. Like, I heard people say that, like, kind of what you said, but mm -hmm. a little differently with the deja vu. They say that's your present self, either meeting up with your past self mm -hmm. or meeting up with your or seeing something from your future self mm -hmm. you know what i'm saying now check this out because uh, i love sci-fi uh, whether it's comic books movies novels whatever um but you have three dimension this is the three dimension and they say you know you got fourth dimension fifth dimensional we as three-dimensional beings we can't perceive the fourth dimension but it's been described that the fourth dimension is time some people say um but if we could see the fourth dimension we would see our entire life like the pages of a comic book that means we can flip to the end. We can flip to the beginning. We can't change what happens, but we're not seeing. Yeah, you can know. So if that's true, unless in our consciousness is fourth, fifth, sixth dimension, we don't know because we're three dimensional beings, but our soul, our, our, you know what I mean? So that means that when you 
are uh, are three your three dimensional constrictions, your brain just might happen to see four or five pages ahead. Right, so wait, you just said something that just kind of caught me. Would you say your soul and your conscious consciousness two different things or the same? I believe they're the same, but since we haven't explored that science high enough, all I can say is that's my belief. Yeah. In my experiences with day, I had a deja vu that was two minutes long one time. And uh, once I caught on to it, I'm, I'm on the west side of Rockford, just moved back to Rockford that summer, summer 2000, walking down to Andrews Park or whatever, right? And I remember in the dream, everything was like a fisheye lens. You know what I mean? It was weird. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, like, whoa. And I, I go to the basketball court, and I had this uh, necklace or whatever that had a, a, pit, a pit bull uh, on the chain, a bulldog with a medallion or whatever, right? And um, I took the necklace off, and uh, I remember the dream, this kid had my necklace on. I was like, why does this kid have my necklace on? But I remember him saying this, yeah, man, if this was mine, I put uh, diamonds in the collar around his neck, and I put rubies in the eyes. Mm. So fast forward to when I moved back to Rockford. I was living in another state when I had this dream. I was living in Virginia. Moved back to Rockford. I hadn't smoked weed in a while, and I smoked. So as I'm walking down uh, Sherman Avenue to Andrews Park, I was getting the fisheye effect. I didn't kick in the deja vu yet, but I was going to play 21. I'm not a baller, but I play 21 or whatever, right? Um, I, I here, hold my chain, kid. You know, he's like, oh, yeah, cool. And as I go back to get it, I'm still having that fisheye because I'm lifting him up. And the kid starts saying it, right? Right about the, And it's freaking me out, and he says, yeah, I put diamonds in the room when I say and you would put rubies in the eyes. And he's like, Yeah, I put rubies in the eye. He didn't know what just happened. Yeah. Dude, for the next week, I was elated. I was like, holy shit, I saw the future and called it. Because it was a two-minute-long sequence. Mm -hmm. And don't deja vu's are a second. You know what I mean? So it just blew my mind. I'm like, that everything I saw this before. Now I haven't had a lot of deja vu's like that. Right. I ain't clairvoyant, but that was the longest one. And uh, I was a state away when I had it, and it happened exactly at the dream. Now, do you, now like, a lot of people thought, oh, you was high, this, this, and that, and the other. Would you say that some substances do help unlock the consciousness? Well, we know for a fact, because time-tested and approved, uh, Indians would go on spirit journeys, you know, which is not just drug use, but guided drug use from experienced shamans. Yes, to tell, tell you in an environment because even today we hear people having bad trips. You take a psychedelic drug and you kick it in with some yahoos and they send you a bad vibe and now you tripping crazy or whatever. Yeah. And people be having to climb off a damn wall or whatever, which is why I don't condone people just experiment with random psychedelic drugs. Mm -hmm. um, but anyway, I, I would definitely say that's been proven through history. I agree. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that, that ain't, yeah, that's no, proven. I agree. Yeah. I, I agree. Like you said, I like the way you said that, man. You, you very. You be very careful with the words you use. My man said, guide it, you know what I'm saying? With and then the, having the bad vibe from the Yahoos and mm -hmm. that just in your trip. Like, hey, Joe Rogan and be talking about DMT yeah, a lot. Yeah, yeah. And, and they be talking about this, which I ain't never tried DMT. I might never, I ain't rich enough. Because because <laughs> I don't don't do no crazy mind altering drug unless you got enough money to not work again a day in your life, because you might not come back right. You know, your spirit animal might be a freaking kangaroo. Now you jump around with <laughs> Anyway, but yeah, yeah. Uh, but I try to be careful with words, which is another reason why I'm not quick to anger. Even if I'm furious, I still try to monitor how much I let go because you are in control of a lot of yourself and a lot of your destiny and a lot of your environment. Um, they say the devil... Uh, 
can't make you do nothing, but the devil can trick you to strike where he thinks you, oh, something can keep telling you this is evil till you get to the point where you just strike out of somebody that ain't did mm-hmm. nothing to you. That wouldn't take your hand, right. which I'm using the devil as a term, yeah. you know, but it may not be, you know what I mean? But that is, the, you know what I mean? You can believe something is good and you can hoard it and try to get as much of it because you like, the devil didn't make you do it, but now you're dumb ass and loaded up on a bunch of worthless crap. Now, now you're a hoarder. Now you're what are the seven deadly sins? Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Squall, anger, gluttony. Yeah. yeah, which is another time-tested and um, uh, philosophy or principle. The seven deadly sins. You ain't gotta believe in Christianity. You ain't gotta believe in Jesus or nothing. But, but the principles. The principles. Yeah. Check this out. The Ten Commandments. I got from Christianity, right? Yeah. Going to church. My stepdad was a pastor. Mother was a choir director as well as a nurse or whatever. So I learned that. That's my spiritual. Uh, base that's yeah. why i learned my but as i learned about different things going back to africa and Kemet, i learned about the 42 laws of god yeah now the 10 commandments are just 10 of, of the, the 42, 42 laws yeah the, the, the 40 laws of my predate christianity and the story of jesus by 10 i don't know how many thousand years now there was a time where i thought that invalidated a lot of christianity then i realized this is only this year um that i came to the actual uh formula that makes it make sense is the if you take let's say you take uh Super Mario, we call him Super Mario, but in Japan he was Ichitoro. Yeah, you will fool and be like, no, that's Mario. Ooh, they in Japan they had to translate it. when they got that they had to call it Mario because we understand that Christianity is nothing but the translation. So that nowadays you can't take it straight from there because we ain't even got the principles they had in Africa in ancient Quebec. But you ain't gonna get all of that. But this is how you can get today. You know what I mean? Just like transferring uh, currency. You cannot spend the American dollar here like this. You want to transfer that into euros or crypto. Yep. And it's like, that's what it is when you... And then when you translate it, it's, you, you may lose value. You may, you may gain value. Mm-hmm. But, but it's still <laughs> money. Yeah. So that's what I feel about your spiritual power. knowledge. Yeah. Wherever you got your spiritual knowledge from, it's okay to learn other things. And you might end up translating into, into being a Muslim. You might translate into this or whatever. You might lose some value with your Christian family. They might call you a devil and get you out their house. I've seen it. Yeah. But you also still have the value that you have your spiritual self. Right. Like, I never thought that uh, even though, like I said, I was raised in Christianity, um, I still would go to church even when I stopped calling myself a Christian. Right. When I started learning other things and realized there were things that predated it that had maybe some other information I didn't have. So I never thought I would go back to being a full-fledged Christian. Even though I would go to church, still yeah, because enjoy the fellowship and the teaching. Ain't nowhere else in the world you can go get a room full of black people trade positive energy. Trade they they will still be teaching you about life principles while they teaching you Christianity. But this year, right right before Christmas, I joined the church and, and uh and I got saved. Which the ritual of getting saved sometimes you know as a kid we in church we see people getting the Holy Ghost and speaking in tongues. I would see kids. They would get the Holy Ghost speaking, and sometimes I would know those kids was faking, yeah. because they they wanted to be a part of the higher of the church. Yeah, yeah. then they grew up to be in the church strong, and the principals helped them, but they were faking sometimes. There's probably some grown folks that were faking too, or whatever. I faked it. Yeah, you know, yeah, because you thought this is what you were supposed to do. You had all that feeling, ooh, but um, so growing up, I never thought that I would. I had been saved before. I'm like, I, I don't have to say it again. God know my heart, but I decided to do that step because I found the clarity. Where I had a lot of different antagonization, a lot of confusion, false truths, and just different stuffs. Once I was able to get past the anger, I didn't run to Christianity and get saved in order to escape it. 
once I found my once I found my center through all the confusion, I knew that I'm gonna need some more power. Whether that's education, whether that's getting financially stable, whether that's getting business partners is more adept in certain things than me, that also means I'm gonna need some spiritual power to keep moving. Now that I know where I'm at, so I'm like, I could keep trying to be this or reading this, but I know how to plug into Christianity right now. I was raised in it. I know the books of the Bible. I know Psalms. I know familiar with it. It's like if you've been using Mac longer than PC and you got to get something done right now, you stupid to try to learn a Mac tonight and you got to get a paper done. I mean, get on what you know. Christianity is the laptop that's going to connect me to a higher power and help me sit my goof ass down and straighten some stuff out. Now that I know what needs to be straightened out, so I plug back in. Certain people look at me like, oh, this man went to the church with a rule. It's like, maybe you've never been in the church. Maybe you wasn't raised in it, so maybe it is not for you. And that's okay. Yeah, what's maybe, for you, though? Maybe you heard me talking all the back to Africa and comedic scientists and stuff like that. And you think that I'm backsliding on that? No. that now I still, I'm, I'm enhancing. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> now I know why Christianity is so powerful. Because they got it from something that was so powerful from years ago. And when the prophet Jesus came along, whether you call him a prophet, the son of God, or whatever. The alchemist. Yeah, the alchemist. <laughs> whatever you want to call him. When he, when that entity came along, he gave people a new way to forge that power. And they went from the Old Testament to the New Testament. Yeah. And they changed some stuff from the Old Testament. they in the same book. But in the Old Testament, you have things like, oh, the child shall bear the sins of the father and the mother. Now, guess what? In the New Testament, Jesus died for our sins. That is no longer relevant. So just because your parents was this, you don't have to pay through the, through the belief and understanding of Christianity. You don't have to pay for their sins anymore. Right, your spirit don't. Your spirit yeah. don't. God died for our sins, and you you now can, you have the grace of God to where even if you live in sin or you're not living right, God still has a grace, but you can still live good. If you actually decide to stop living in sin and adhere to these principles, the Ten Commandments and whatever else, now guess what? You don't get the grace. You get the blessing. The grace was keeping you from getting murked and sent to hell or going to jail, even though you were doing dirty stuff. You're robbing people, you're slapping people. But once you get right, oh, now we can open the floodgates. You know what I mean? Like, That's the difference between the Old Testament and the New Testament. Like when I look at that, when I'm often going off the examples that you just gave, like the sins of the father uh, belong to the child, Old Testament, or mm -hmm. New Testament, this doesn't. God had a son. Yeah. So I, I, look, I look at it like this. I look at it like this. We all got choices in life. You know what I'm saying? And by being a father, I know that my past sins can affect my child, but they not of my child. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Just like they don't have to. Yeah, just like my my, my parents, they sins affected me, mm -hmm. but they they not they didn't describe who I am. Yeah, you, you know, know you, you were, I, I said this the other day, man. Um just talking about a situation. Anyway, I was like, I am my father's son, but I'm not my father. Yeah. Church, church. <laughs> that that means I saw what he went through. I saw the mistakes he made, church. and it made confuse me as a kid. And when I grew up, I got put in some of the exact same situations he did. Man, that led to court cases and pistol play and all type of stuff. Led to him not being able to find a church home. My dude used to tell me he was like, "Man, it was so hard for me to find a church home because I, uh, you know, how many women I took pictures of or whatever, mm -hmm. and maybe they husbands was like, oh yeah, do do do. So now they pass to the church, they point the elbows in the pulpit. You know what I mean? If, you know, they had a bad history with him because yeah. of a woman or whatever it was. Yeah. He said, son, it was hard for me. He told me he's like thirteen, hard for me to find a church home. He's like, but once I did, you know, um, I, you know what I mean? I was past all that stuff, yeah. but it was still carrying on me because. 
some people can't pass. So, like I say, and, and even situations with my mother, or because I didn't have my father from like age five until like twelve uh, or eleven or whatever, where we finally got to connect again. But you know, there was things that changed. My mother got married. You know, her uh, husband was a pastor. You know, she got involved in the church, or whatever. She, you know, taking other kids to church and bringing them to the choir. All her friends' kids that ain't going to church, she in the, in the van going to grab kids every morning. Y'all coming to Sunday school. Y'all coming to choir practice. I'm going to give y'all an outlet or whatever. So they didn't have any, you know what I mean? And he had a family, so X, Y, Z. But as I saw a separation between, you know, my child's mother, starting a new family or whatnot, there's certain things that might change. There might be certain uh, it, it perceived animosities, but I'm like, I saw this in five. I already know how certain these cards can play. So when I got put in certain situations, I know what my dad did, but I ain't my dad. I can avoid that one. Might be hard. Might hurt a little bit. But I, I think with a with a 10 or 20 year mindset sometimes, you know, 10 or 20 years from now, what do I not want to have laid in my kids? Do I want my kids seeing arguments? Do I want my kids seeing domestic stuff? Seeing mommy, daddy going at each other neck? I hold my tongue. I don't care if I'm right. We, we adults, we can talk about this sidebar. Yeah. I'll let you just be right for now. You know what? I, I'll miss Christmas morning with my baby. As long as she get her presents, she's not going to understand. It may be a little to me, but right. I'm like, I'm it's already married. Right. I'm thinking 10 years from now, shoot, my baby still got a dope Christmas. She don't know that it was uh, 12 hours later than it was supposed right. to be. All this other stuff was going on, and she don't need to know that. Exactly. Now, mm -hmm. I could have been, I could have, you know, drew that out or, or pleaded my case. Oh, I'm like, I saw that before. That didn't help me. Made me sad kid. Made me not understand what the yeah. hell was going on. Like, I've seen a lot of arguments with my parents coming up, and I look back on the pictures. I'm getting a little emotional. I look back on the pictures, and like, like me as a child, I'll just be like, man, that was a sad kid, man. Didn't know. <laughs> didn't know. Didn't know. That was a sad kid, man. So what I'm learning, man, this has been a dope-ass conversation. I'm not going to stunt. And we did go off topic a little bit, but it all ties together. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Because you got to learn yourself. And then wherever you may find out that you may be weak, you can build. Or like like, like how we said, add on to yourself, additions to yourself. You know what I'm saying? Hey, you've seen, you know, people have, you build a home or start a home, you add that extra bathroom. You know what I'm saying? You mm -hmm. you go ahead and you add that addition. You add that support. You add that deck. Mm -hmm. You enhance what you already have. You know what I'm saying? And then you stand outside and you look at it and then you accept it. Mm -hmm. Like, this is me. This is mine. Mm -hmm. This is what I accomplished. Yeah. I remember when I first started out, you know what I'm saying? I was very shy, obedient, you know, to a fault, though. Mm -hmm. Obedient to a fault. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like, I didn't I didn't want to challenge anything. You know what I'm saying? But then when I got older, I was like, you know, I kind of, I got questions. I kind of. I kind of like this because it's making me think. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? So I had to hush-hush about it. But I was like, you know what? There's a way of doing things. Like, I don't have to be disrespectful about it. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Things like that. Like, that's kind of like my, my kids, for example. Like, people see my people see my boys, and they'll be like, they're very quiet. I got one son that's really, really quiet. And then I got one son that's very, very outspoken. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? And But they both are critical thinkers. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? They like, to, they like to think. But they're not. I'm not them, and they not me. You know yeah. what I'm saying? And I always, you can see parts of yourself yeah, in them. I see some of me in them. But I like I always tell them, like, when they was little, Dad, I want to be just like you. No, don't be like me. <laughs> be better than me. You know what I'm saying? Because mm -hmm. I know I'm better than my dad. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and, it's a, it's and, a healthy competition, baby. Yeah, you know yeah. what I'm saying? That's how I like to say it. So, Cody, go ahead and let everybody know 
uh, where they can find you at, uh, all your tags, all that good stuff, bro. Yeah, uh, Kodak Warren on Facebook. Uh, I got a main page and a backup page. Um, I also have the business page, Warren Photography 365. You can find me on Instagram at Kodak underscore Warren. Um, you can find me on TikTok at W365 Studios. Um, I, I, and is there anything else? I, I, I'm not a social media hound, but I understand it's useful. I'm going to get back on Twitter real soon. Oh, uh, yeah. You know what? I ain't never even tackled the Twitter monster, man. Mm-hmm. I need to, though, because they said that's where it's at. Oh, uh, Snapchat. Warren Black on Snapchat. And I got a second um, TikTok, Warren Black. Um, now, check it out. You know, I, I, I'm a musician. I'm a writer. I'm a poet, philosopher, all that good stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't really push music, even though I'm going to start dropping some stuff this year. But one of the main reasons, and people don't understand this, because uh, honestly, I'm, I'm better at rap than I'm at photography. But uh, but like words has been my gift, and mm-hmm. it, rap is one of the few things that you can learn from anybody in the world from wherever you're at by listening. Learning Twister verses and his bounces was so intricate as a kid. I was like, oh my god, what did this man do? Like, I'm not I'm not knowing. I'm just love literary stuff. Period. Mm-hmm. Words. So one of the reasons I didn't do, I didn't go full-fledged with rap is because I was able, as a photographer, and doing videos and graphics, I was able to be around the music, and every Saturday I see people, they paying to open up a show, people paid to open up for Lil Wayne when he was midway, and I could get paid to capture the stuff. Also, I get to see who I thought was dope, and I would only rap around the rappers I thought was dope, you know what I mean? I'd be like, you know what? Yeah, and a lot of rappers be like, why ain't you rapping? I'd be like, because I have just as much fun helping rappers get on, making y'all look good, because I see what you did, bro. The video should be like this. No, your album cover should be like this. You see it from Because I'm also an artist, too, and I'm a mm-hmm. producer, you know what I mean? So I'm like, bro, change that beat to that beat, trust me, it's going to hit harder. You know what I mean? So I'm like, by just not trying to be one of the things, I can be five of the things and get paid for it. That's how that's how I, that's how I am, bro. Like, uh, I do music, rap, sing, all that. Mm-hmm. But like the podcast, I got the podcast. This is all to push my music. You know what I'm saying? Eventually, yeah, eventually. Yeah. But and it may become bigger than all of them. Yeah, but I, I love, but I I love music. Like what you were saying, bounce. Mm-hmm. Like when Twister used to bounce on the beat. Like you know, you know who I who don't get enough respect for they bounce? Bun B. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> Now check this out. Here's one of the biggest, um, the, one of the biggest roses Bun B ever got that people don't understand, right? Jay Z is one of the most deepest thinkers in rap ever, right? The, the man is amazing. New York cat that listened to South, you listen to UGK since before he blew, right? That's why he did Big Pippin with them. Mm-hmm. That's why he jumped on that Trill remix, mm-hmm. whatever, because he didn't have a respect for them. Where it's like, well, y'all don't even rap the same. No, he hear that while he would do songs. Twister was called a rapper's rapper before he went platinum and blue. Mm-hmm. He had tracks with everybody because the dopest rappers was like, I don't think platinum or not. Oh my God, what are you saying? And they would want Twister on the track. Yeah, come on my track. Yeah, come real. on this beat. Come on this West West Coast beat. Come on this downs. Yeah. That's why I love the Midwest. We can hop on any type of beat. You know what I'm saying? And we can adapt. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? You can look in. You can look at music and go back. 20 years and see how the Midwest has been the tastemakers. A lot of the stuff people would get on the Midwest, put them on it. it, it or, or was already on it. Think about how Timberland, right? Timberland beats. The Midwest was rapping on stuff with that type of cadence way before uh, legendary tracks and stuff like that. 
They would make a Timberland bounce sometimes too. They you know Timberland had a whole futuristic thing. That nigga, he do some stuff. But I was hearing that. That's why when I moved to the to the East Coast, it's certain stuff I would get to quickly. Yeah. I'd be like, ooh, that's kind of like this or whatever. Hey, uh, it was something I thought of that I want to go back to real quick or whatever. Yeah, but um, one of the things when I've uh, taught people different things or whatever, uh, one of my philosophies I realize is that in order to to attain another level. You have to submit to something. Ooh. Now you have to choose what you submit to. Don't just submit, you know. No, no blind. You're not talking blind submission. Nah, but once you decide what you want, you, you're gonna either submit to your drill sergeant. You might submit to a sensei. You know, you might have to submit whatever it is in order. You have to accept that. All right, I'm gonna follow this, and I'm gonna be humble and shut the hell up. You might be a billionaire, but when you go to church, that hundred thousand year pastor, you know, he's got a doctorate in theology. You know he studied here. He's went to overseas to the to went to uh, to uh, Israel or whatever it is. But for whatever reason, you like your teaching in this is higher than mine, and I want to attain a higher level of this. I'm gonna have to submit to this until I'm refortified. You know what I mean? Yeah, I like the way you said that. You have to submit to something because oh man, it just left my head. I had it in my head because some people will take it a different way mm -hmm. you know what i'm saying some people sometimes you got to say things a different way so people can grasp it mm -hmm. i keep i'm talking i'm rambling right now because i'm trying to make sure i'll try to get it to come back mm -hmm. a man said that you have to learn to submit to something you know what i'm saying oh every great leader is also a great follower time yeah, it's time. What is it? Time, time tested. Yeah, that when we get to these, that's what philosophers they take real world principles and they're able to make them into a distilled formula that will now stand the test of time. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. Think about Malcolm X. Now, Malcolm Little was cold. He was smart. The man was charismatic. The man was a hustler. Ladies loved him. Men wanted to be him. But until he got forced into prison and he decided to submit to the teachings of Islam. Made a whole new power level. Made that diamond. That's a powerful, um, a powerful scene when he was like uh, trying to get on the, you know, get on your knees, submit to Allah, and he's like, I can't, I can't pick the lock, Malcolm. <laughs> I don't think people understand what he was saying. Pick the lock. Take everything that you use for bad and repurpose it for good. Pick the lock. He was telling him, pick the lock to your mind. Pick the lock mm -hmm. to, to your soul. Pick mm -hmm. the lock to your heart. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? He was like, you got to pick it, though. Because I'm not breaking it. You know what I'm saying? Oh, you you got to break it. That part. Yeah, bro. That was a powerful part. I was like, I'm I'm young seeing this part. Like, oh, my God. He's telling him, though, he has to pick his soul. You know what I'm saying? You yeah. got to pick. You got to unlock that door. Because, yeah. you know, you know, they say, you know, you know what I'm saying? Jesus say he's the door, the truth, and the light, and whatnot. But get, who, the head, who the door now? You know what I'm saying? You the doorknob. Mm -hmm. You close the door, it's a latch in there. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? The door is there. The door is ready to be opened. Yeah. You have to turn. You the latch. Yeah. You the most important part of the door. And look, <laughs> talk, talk about religion and Christianity. You know, like unlearning uh, stuff. Mm -hmm. Like I did, I think it was 2008, I started unlearning. I started watching TV. I would watch documentaries for days. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. um, but one of the things that um, is still hard to, when I read the Bible, I see white people. Mm -hmm. Even though in 2008, I finally got it in my mind that 97.8% of these people were brown. They were brown, brown, brown. I have been so indoctrinated that I still see white people. So getting a person to submit to Christianity, they might go, you mean white Jesus? 
You know, and I can understand him like, yeah, that that's definitely the wrong flag to wave for this this camp. But you you know what I mean. But now that I have a, I unlearned all the BS, yeah. I can plug in into the things that I know work or whatever. So sometimes people have to pick a lot different ways. You know yeah. what I mean. You gonna have to get over that whatever. Um, but what I liked about that is I remember I'm, I'm hanging out with my friend. Uh, she's a singer, Tasha Nicole, and I was like a play manager for a while, or really just a promoter for for a minute. We used to take trips back to Chicago, sing clubs, sing a book opening. She, oh, yeah, she can sing. Yeah, she can sing. You know, I do her pictures or whatever, and try to keep her because Tasha's also I used to call her Scrappy Doo because they had try her in school. Tasha go at them, yeah. and they found out she was very capable. So yeah. I, I picked Tasha up and carried her out of clubs, and she had picked the shoe off and fling it. I'm like, stop! And they don't buy you shoes so you can model them on. Right. We're, trying, we're trying to leave. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, but she she had that power. Side. So anyway, her daughter JoJo. She was uh, sitting in my room. I was working on, I think, an obituary for a uh, twin back in the day. I got this big picture my mama gave me of the Last Supper, but it's the Black Last Supper. Yeah, I got that too. Yeah, JoJo was probably like seven or eight. She's like, uh, your picture's wrong. I'm like, really? what's wrong with it? She's like, the people are the wrong color. I was like, really? Mm. I was like, hey, JoJo, you know you, you know, you know a lot about the Bible, right? You know, they name a lot of places, right? Uh, let's name some of the places. Jerusalem, and we got the band, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, you know, on the map, you know, see where those places are. I was like, hey, you know, that's Africa or that's this. I was like, hey, what color are the people in Africa? She's like, they're black. And I was like, well, what color are the people over here or whatever? And they're like, well, they're brown. And I was like, well, that's where all these people were at when this happened. I was like, so do you think the people are the wrong color? Or do you think the people that taught you what color they were, maybe were mistaken? I didn't want to just go at her hard. Girl, say, you wrong. wrong. They black. Nah, yeah. nah, nah, the whole Bible black. The yeah. whole story about the yeah. No, you trying to. You, you not know. trying to indoctrinate. I'm gonna help her get the tools to pick the lock. You already know it, yeah. but and that's how that's how American history is. It's so convoluted and mixed up that you can't just tell a person this is this. You got to go back and walk them from the beginning and see where they left some stuff out and woo. Because if you don't pick up each piece. You don't got the whole lockpick. You don't got the whole combination. At all. And your your willful ignorance will kick in. You know what I mean? That's why, man, they kill us on the Constitution test, but we can't use the Constitution without no damn handcuffs. At all. Because they don't teach you to know black people. Your power's a little different when it comes to the Constitution. We vote on whether you're citizens every 50 years. Every 50. Every 50 years you get. And we just got renewed, didn't we? We just got <laughs> we, we lucky to be a man. We lucky as hell. Like, oh, y'all almost got put on a ride back to Africa. <laughs> like we put to Liberia. Yeah. Hey, here's some dope stuff, right? I remember uh, I was in a class because uh, got into some trouble. Had to take a uh, uh, drop dirty for weed or whatever. So they like, you want to go take a class at Rosecrans. Now, the teacher's giving me my introduction or whatever that is about like 15 years ago. Give my, you know, and he's like, well, what are you into? I'm like, well, I'm into this, this, I'm into alternative history. He's like, alternative history, what's that? I was like, well, things like, did you know that there's pyramids all over America? There's like six of them up down the Mississippi. And uh, I'm like, and there's an there's a, a Egyptian tomb in the Grand Canyon. He was like, oh, that's poppycock or whatever. I'm like, no, sir, that's no, not poppycock. No, I'm like, it was excavated uh, in, in 1904 to 06 or whatever. Um, this, with by the Smithsonian and the two lead archaeologists that excavated came up missing in 1906 or whatever. But you can go ahead and look that up yourself. And I'll start running off these facts. He was like, uh, Oh, you thought I was just saying shit about UFOs or whatever? I was like, Nah, bro. I ain't even gonna say it unless I'm 99% sure. 
I ain't sit, I didn't stop watching TV in 2008 for nothing. For nothing. Whatever. That's deep that you just said that because I believe they lying to us about te technology. Period. Oh, yeah. Even when I was younger, I was like, so right now they said, you know, this is the best technology we've ever had. I'm like, this is the best technology we ever had, but we already know that it's how many planets and how many Milky Ways mm -hmm. and galaxies are out there, the stars in the sky. Yeah. They didn't have none of this back then. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But we still ain't learned nothing new. Check out what you just said, though, right? <laughs> look, boy, look, you just said a mouthful and touched on some dope stuff. One is the best technology we have, but we can't build a pyramid like they did. 13 ton stone blocks, smooth as glass, that fit airtight and was so smooth. We can't cut a stone that way. There's nothing. You know, we don't get that technology, whether it was sonics or whatever it was. However, it was. Two, you can look inside Egyptian tombs and you see the entire solar system. With planets in 1988, we didn't know. We didn't learn about Pluto to the, to the 80s. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for real, for real. Pluto was brand new. But, but they had Pluto carved in stone 40,000 years ago. They, what technology did they have? They had us believing that they was out there like this. Yeah. <laughs> like, you can't do what they can do. So you can't tell me what they do or don't have or how great they They had light. They had 10-foot light bulbs, but they, had, like, they didn't have electricity. Yeah. Do you know the original three pyramids of Giza? You know how they say they were they were actually white, right? They had an insulation stone on the outside of the other stone. They talk about they were tombs. That's what all the caves were amazing. No, powerful. You already know. They were gathering ambient energy. The Nile River was about 10 miles closer 40,000 years ago. And they would channel the, the energy or whatever. They had wireless electricity in ancient Egypt. Now, when I was talking to my boy about this, he wasn't on that, but he also is he's more intelligent than me. Um, but he's not as big of a philosopher as me, which is why I've usually uh, checkmate him in a lot of arguments and debates. Mm -hmm. Just because, you know, he got the feet of the guy. He is about, he about facts. Well, the, the, the dude is like a crazy supercomputer. Like, he can process like crank, crazy. Crank, crank, crank. Yeah, yeah, for real. But um, as I start feeding him this information or whatever I've been learning, he gave me a, he, he, boy, he gave me a light bulb. He was like, check this out. Even though I don't believe all this, he was like, what is a laptop made out of? I'm like, shoot, what? Plastic and glass for the most yeah. part? He's like, what happens if you put a fucking laptop in a pyramid, in a high pyramid, 40,000 years? What's going to be left? I was like, shit. It's basically saying silicone. I was like, probably would be nothing left. He was like, we really don't know what they had in the pyramids. He took the information, the fact, the little fact, and mm -hmm. gave me a whole quantum leap. Mm -hmm. We don't know what they had. And since no black people get to excavate the pyramids, it was always the English. It was, or, or it was a European that always did it. The, the, the Dutch, Puerto and uh, Portuguese. Yeah. Spanish. So we Norway. don't really know what was in there because they didn't let our black. They even went in and a lot of times with lighting the color of the faces on in the pyramids and painting so they'd be light brown, which is where we get this idea of these light brown Egyptians where we know ain't no way you lived in this goddamn sun and you until you lived and died and it wasn't charcoal or caramel or something. So it's a lot of knowledge that you got to go back and get the other pieces to the combination to see where it got skewed. To pick the lock. Mm -hmm. That's what I'm learning. That, that, that's the only. That's what's ringing in my soul right now. Pick, you pick the lock. You know what I'm saying? Use what you got to free yourself. Mm -hmm. Pick the lock. I think I think that's a good place to end it. Yeah. Pick the lock, man. I am the I am hyphen X. This has been a great conversation podcast. That's Kodak. Y'all know Y'all know what we like to say here. You don't always have to agree to have a great conversation. Peace. Deuces.